third Sunday of Lent. Prayer. Psalm 19. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The decrees of the Lord are sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing in the heart. The commandment of the Lord is clear, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and dripping of the honeycomb. Reading the Word First reading Exodus chapter 20 God spoke all these words I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt out of the house of slavery you shall have no other gods before me you shall not make wrongful use of the name of the Lord your God for the Lord will not acquit anyone who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Honor your father and your mother, so that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, or male, or female slave, or ox, or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Second reading, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. For Jews demand signs, and Greeks desire wisdom. But we proclaim Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those who are the called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. For God's foolishness is wiser than human wisdom, and God's weakness is stronger than human strength. Gospel John chapter 2 the Passover of the Jews was near, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple, he found people selling cackle, sheep, and doves, and the money changers seated at their tables. Making a whip of cords, he drove all of them out of the temple, both the sheep and the cackle. He also pulled out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. He told those who were selling the doves, Take these things out of here. Stop making my father's house a marketplace. His disciples remembered that it was written, Zeal for your house will consume me. The Jews said to him, What sign can you show us for doing this? Jesus answered them, Destroy this temple. And in three days I will raise it up. The Jews then said, This temple has been under construction for 46 years. 
and will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking of the temple of his body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. When he was in Jerusalem during the Passover festival, many believed in his name because they saw the signs that he was doing. But Jesus on his part would not entrust himself to them because he knew all people and needed no one to testify about anyone. For he himself knew what was in everyone. Hearing the word, maintaining right relationships. The readings of the third Sunday of Lent focus on living in right relationships with God and with our fellow human beings in the community. Since communitarian living often poses challenges, today's liturgy provides a good insight into the harmony with God and with one another that can be achieved and maintained. The first reading presents the core of the Israelite law, known as the Decalogy in Greek, or simply the Ten Commandments. Ancient Israel's biblical tradition held that Moses wrote the two stone tablets from the mountain with the ten short instructions intended as the essential guide for living righteously, which means being in a right relationship with God and with fellow members of the covenant community. The Decalogy and the other laws contained in the law played a central and irreplaceable role in the lives of Jewish people. The band of Hebrew slaves who fled the land of slavery were transformed by these laws into God's people, his treasured possession. Exodus chapter 19 verse 5. Having delivered his people from slavery in Egypt, God offered them the law expressed through the commandments as a constitution meant to guide and orient their lives in a new situation and in the new land. The first three of these commandments define the essential aspects of covenantal relationship between God and the people and can be defined as the vertical aspect of the covenant. The remaining seven precepts define the relationship between the people themselves and constitute the horizontal dimension of the covenant. By observing these commandments in their daily life, the people were expected to honor their God and be faithful to their new identity. Seen from this perspective, the technology gives the covenant community its identity and ensures its continuity because by being God's people, they are ensured of God's sustenance and protection. The Israelite law, therefore, 
also referred to as the Dora, was a guide on how to be God's people and how to manifest that identity through appropriate relationships to God and to fellow members of the community. In the second reading, Paul attempts to restore order in the Corinthian community. The community in Corinth was deeply disordered and wriggled with numerous divisions, dissensions, and rivalry. This was far from the model of the Christian community as the harmonious and unified body of Christ, which was the ideal pursued and taught by their founder, Paul. To address this difficult situation and move towards reconciliation, Paul did not use complex theological and philosophical arguments. Rather, he appealed to the example of Christ crucified and to the scandal and foolishness that the cross appears to be to Jews and Gentiles alike. The logic in his argument and exhortation is that when his quarrelsome Christians see the cross as the evidence of God's unconditional love and care for each one of them, they would hopefully put their inconsequential and artificial distinctions aside and unite around Christ's cross. For Paul, the cross stands at the center of every Christian community as the symbol of redemption and the reflection of the power and wisdom of God working for their salvation. In other words, they are Christians through the cross which brought them together into one community. Paul hoped that by focusing on what unites them, they might overcome that which divides them. The Gospel reading describes Jesus' cleansing of the temple in Jerusalem at the time of the Feast of Passover. In the Synoptic Gospels, this event takes place at the very end of Jesus' ministry. John the Evangelist, however, places this event at the very beginning of Jesus' ministry. His intention is changing the sequence of events, was to argue that Jesus' main goal was to establish a new relationship between his father and the people, replacing the temple and its cult. The Jerusalem temple in Jesus' day was the only place where an Israelite could go to offer sacrifices, give God thanks for blessings, and receive forgiveness for sins committed. This location was, therefore, necessary for maintaining the relationship between God and his people. To his dismay, Jesus arriving at the temple found this sacred space serving a very different purpose. This temple had become primarily a marketplace a hive of commercial activity intended to support a formal and ritualistic worship. The people coming from the great distances for the canonical Jewish feasts, such as the Passover, could not bring with them the animals required for the sacrifice. The temple market catered for the needs of the pilgrims by selling animals and changing the foreign money to the currency accepted in the temple. 
All this brought great profit to the owners of these services, mostly the temple priests who accepted and oversaw the business through the temple guards. This situation appeared perfectly normal to almost all Jews. However, Jesus as God's son saw what others did not see. His violent action of purging the temple from all commercial activity reflected his great zeal for restoring the right relationship between God and the people, a relationship not distorted by superficial practices and unaffected by such things as greed and commercial concerns. However, in the view of John the Evangelist, cleansing of the temple had even greater consequences, seen in the later part of the Gospel, where he would allude to Jesus, replacing the temple as God's incarnate word, who has made his home among humans, the magnificent temple, a material structure, was insufficient and failed in connecting God and the people. Jesus, as God's living presence in the world, became a new way of connecting with the God, a new way of communication and reconciliation, the way to the God. He became the new and living temple in whom the divine presence and glory abides, the living connection between God and his people. Today's liturgy of the word invites an inward look at the Christian community and the relationships within it. The first reading implies that Christian identity must be shaped by God's word and follow God's ways. This was the case for the people of Israel, and it is still true for the followers of Jesus. From the very beginning, Christian communities were not free from internal conflicts and disunity. St. Paul indicates that these might be overcome by uniting the members around the essential tenet of the faith, namely around Christ's cross. For the apostles, Christ and his cross stand at the center of the community, bringing unity in a manner analogous to the Torah, which stood at the core of the Israelites' community. The Gospel reading reinforces Paul's message, recognizing that Jesus, the new temple, establishes a new relationship between God and the people, which is maintained through faith and adherence to his incarnate Son. The Christians are thus reminded that to be God's people, they must maintain a steady focus on the very foundation of who they are and what they do. Jesus himself, the psalmist had the same idea in mind when he alluded to the law as a way to be in the right relationship with God, describing it as more to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey, and drippings of the honeycomb. The Christians might say the same about Jesus. Listening to the Word Today's liturgy reminds us of the necessity of maintaining a good relationship with God 
and with other people in traditional African societies, living in harmony with oneself, others and God was one of the central human concerns. Harmony was associated with good health and prosperity, while illness or misfortune was seen to be the result of disruption in the relationship with ancestors or with fellow community members. To prevent such disruptions, taboos were established to ensure that people did not offend or transgress the rules regulating relationships. As Christians, we are blessed with our own set of helps and guidelines on how to live in communion with God and our fellow Christians. First, building right relationships begins with attention to God's word that instructs us on how we ought to relate to God and treat others. God provided the Israelites with an extensive set of instructions called the law, summarized in the Ten Commandments. These ten rules are not mere prohibitions. They are the constitution of the people of Israel that outlines the principles for community life. As such, they are God's gift to the Israelites and they are the gift to us as guidelines for the righteous living. Jesus, through his stories and exhortations, also provided his disciples with numerous guidelines on building the right relationships. One of the clearest, simplest, and most striking is his golden rule. In everything, do to others as you would have them do to you, for this is the law and the prophets. This simple command summarizes our entire conduct towards others, and indeed, of all the commandments of the Old Testament. The problem with these instructions is that we often see them as rules imposed to limit our freedom and constrain our behavior. This is a dangerous perception. There is something in our nature that makes us react negatively whenever we are told what to do, even if it is good for us. We must begin our journey to harmony by realizing that the instructions contained in the scriptures are a sound way to be a righteous person and to live in fruitful harmony. If you want to be upright and respectable people, we need to look no further than our own rich faith tradition. Secondly, we must be aware that living in good relationships is a matter of conscious effort. It is natural and easy to relate well to the people we like. Such relationships require no effort, but as the Apostle Paul makes us keenly aware, our communities are often riddled with divisions, dissensions, and rivals. To overcome these, Paul points to the cross as uniting factor. In this world, we all face difficulties and afflictions, seeing others as co-sufferers 
and helping them to carry their crosses helps us to overcome what divides us from others. Many of us wear the cross on our necks as a reminder of God's unconditional love and care. This is certainly correct. However, in the context of today's liturgy, let us look at the cross as a reminder that we are co-sufferers in this world. We are united through the cross of our common humanity, just as we all share in its beauty. The acknowledgement of this fundamental unity may help us to rise above the character differences which affect our families and communities and above the ethnic religious distinctions that cause so much strife in our societies. The call of this Sunday is to reach out to others as co-sufferers and co-pilgrims on the journey towards God's kingdom of harmony and peace. While on this journey, disrupted relationships increase our sufferings, harmony and peace greatly help us to deal with life's troubles. He who does not want to relate and be touched must resist going to the marketplace. Action Self-examination What is my perception of God's commandments? Do I see them as inconvenient burdens or helps to a fruitful life? What is the cross or crosses that I carry in my life? Are there other people who share similar burdens? Response to God Throughout this week, I'll begin and end each day with prayers of thanksgiving to God for the precious gift of His instructions and guidelines for my life. Response to your world I will identify someone in my surroundings who carries a cross similar to mine. I'll then take steps to share our common pattern. As a group, during our prayer meeting, we will write our names on separate pieces of paper and put them together in a small basket or bowl. Each person will pick a name that is not his or hers. Each one will pray during the week for the person whose name they have picked. Father in heaven, we thank you for all the blessings and graces you have bestowed on us. We thank you for giving us the commandments as guides for maintaining and building right relationships with you and others. Help us to live by them and thus be models for others who do not yet know you. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen.